Welcome to the third podcast put forth by the Oregon Coast Music Festival. Contrary to popular belief, a belief that's promoted by a lot of conductors, uh, a conductor is nothing without her or his orchestra. Uh, these are the ladies and gentlemen that create those beautiful sounds. You know, without them, we are just flapping our hands in the air. Um, and the Oregon Coast Music Festival is particularly blessed with a creative, kind, intelligent, uh, fun orchestra. And it really makes the music making that much more a joy for Maestro Paul and myself. And so I thought that we would take this opportunity to have you meet a few of our players. And uh, I'm going to put to them some questions, the kinds of things that I am frequently asked at a pre-concert lecture. So I'm assuming that these are things that you, our audience, might want to know. Um, and I wanted the players to answer from their points of view, uh, some of which may be surprising, some of which are humorous, uh, some of which may confirm some of your own suspicions on these topics. So let's get going. Uh, we're going to hear from uh, musicians representing the four different sections of the orchestra, strings, woodwind, brass, and percussion. And the first thing I wanted to ask was, uh, I am frequently asked by adults, how do I get my child interested in classical music? It's a big question. And so I wanted to know uh, of our musicians, do you have any answers, either proven or speculative to this very important question? I think the answer is clear and plain. Make it fun. Oftentimes uh, classical music is pushed as well. You have to take lessons now because mom and dad wants you to, or uh, it's the right thing to do and you better go practice. And I think it's a good idea to present this as a fun activity. Uh, you can show uh, what you do uh, when you play piano or violin or horn or whatever you study. And uh, you can use what you automatically sing. And then another thing to do is to bring children to as many fun classical concerts as you can. Uh, most orchestras, uh, local, regional, metropolitan, or major, have some sort of youth concert arrangement uh, with schools, including homeschools. And it, uh, these educational programs are often very engaging, uh, geared towards uh, letting young people know what's in the orchestra and uh, what sort of tunes they play and how enjoyable it is. And if you provide that sort of a background uh, to introduce classical music, it, it's much easier than um, you better take lessons now approach, which uh, sometimes occurs uh, with some people. And uh, you can also reach out if you know any classical musicians, um, go to their house, uh, Oregon Coast Music Festival. Uh, we uh, live in people's houses and that's, that's a great thing to do. And uh, the more we make it fun and make it local, uh, the better the kids will enjoy it. Well, I think a great way to get uh, children interested in classical music, uh, firstly, is uh, to bring them to concerts and let them uh, see the instruments in person. I know that's hard right now in the pandemic, but there's also great resources online um, and there's a lot of people creating um, uh, accessible videos for children and, and music uh, online, which is another great way to get them involved. But if you start them early, that usually will spark some interest. Uh, 
I think everyone has to make their own choice as, as to what kind of music they love. Because I, I also love other kinds of music, but I think just bringing classical music to children in, in concerts or uh, in the schools and talking about why we've made that choice. Why, why did I make the choice to, to pursue classical music? And my choice was because I, I knew I loved it. I, I have three kids, three adult kids. My oldest is 30. My oldest daughter, Ariana, my son is Ian is 25 and my daughter, youngest daughter, Emma is 22. And I think they all appreciate classical music. I wouldn't say that they love it, <laughs> but I think just being, going to concerts, hearing different music, being exposed to classical music, maybe in the summer in parks. And I think just the exposure and my, my own children grew up hearing me practice and prepare for concerts and auditions. So they certainly heard a lot of it. Learning an instrument is, is the best way I can think of. And early on, um, I've always really thought piano was a key instrument to learn first. It really teaches you music theory, teaches you to read music, gives you right hand, left hand coordination. Plus it exposes you to uh, the canon of classical composers that we look at. So I think exposure's the biggest thing and hopefully we can continue to have music education in the elementary schools, which is just really vital those early years. Um, and who knows, uh, their interest in classical music might stay dormant for 20, 30 years, you know, from grade school, but they'll have that. And maybe they'll get, um, kids will get a, an appreciation class in high school or college and go, yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember that name. Yeah, I kind of remember liking that, you know, and that could be the exposure. Uh, it happens through so many different venues, but, but certainly me strapping my daughter down and playing classical music for her will not make her or get her to love classical music. I think that if you, it's possible, if you can start early with children to get them exposed to music, classical music. Um, I grew up uh, learning classical music from cartoons. Mm. And uh, I knew a lot of classical music, but I didn't know the names of pieces, but I knew the music. Um, when I, by the time I was a teenager. Um, they don't do that so much anymore. A lot of it is synthesized music, but you can play classical music around the house and uh, expose the children to music like that uh, at a very early age. And so as they're growing up, uh, they've got classical music in the environment. And then as they get older and get used to um, more knowledgeable, then you can start teaching them the pieces and what their names are and who the composers are, things like that. I've actually had the opportunity to create a new project uh, with the assistance of Portland Columbia Symphony. 
It's a collaboration where we've combined puppets with uh, orchestral music, and we've created a 16-part online series that's uh, for elementary school age children for the uh, exact purpose of getting children exposure to music uh, and musical instruments in a way that they may not have the opportunity to do so, especially during the pandemic. Uh, this series is called Meet the Instruments and uh, we're very excited about it. Uh, the, first, the first video is actually the theme song where you get to see all the colorful puppets playing the different instruments. And hopefully that'll spur some curiosity and imagination in children. And then each additional episode will feature another um, a professional musician and a couple puppet characters showing off each instrument individually in the orchestra and giving children an up close and personal look at every single instrument of the orchestra. So we're really hoping that this is a great outreach for kids and we're excited about this project and I'm hoping there's lots of other projects out there like this uh, to give kids the opportunity to really get involved in music. I'm frequently asked, how did you decide to become a conductor? That's a long involved story with which I will not bore you. So I wanted to turn around and ask our players, how did you come to choose your instrument? Or was it, uh, was it a case like out of the Harry Potter novels uh, with a magic wand. Did your instrument choose you? Did it choose me or did I choose it? Who knows? Um, but uh, as far back as I can remember, I wanted to play the drums. And uh, I remember for one of my very early birthdays getting a, a little metal toy drum type thing. Um, I started piano. I believe at age six and took it through high school and it it was my gateway you know always wanting to play percussion but piano really was was a key for me and i think that's what helped to really attract me to the keyboard percussion instruments i started on trumpet and it was it was kind of fun i played in the elementary school band and so forth and then moved to junior high which where I was living uh, started in seventh grade. And then uh, eighth grade band, uh, the conductor said, gee, we need horn players. As you probably know, uh, a lot of people play trumpet, but fewer play horn. So I uh, was a little reluctant, but I thought I'd try it because there are a lot of trumpet players out there and uh, this might be interesting. So at that point, uh, I started jumping into it and I started lessons. Uh, uh, with the teacher at the University of Michigan since I lived in, in Ann Arbor. And uh, pretty soon, I guess you would say, uh, the, the horn kind of chose me. Uh, we have jokes among uh, various instrument groups about the, uh, the personalities that uh, certain people have. And uh, I think the personality fit for horn was a pretty good one for me. I actually chose my instrument. Uh, I played both clarinet and French horn from a very early age. And I also marched in a drum and bugle corps uh, from a very early age, from 10 years old on. And at one point, my band teacher sat me down and said, you cannot play a woodwind instrument and a brass instrument at the same time and be very good at either of them. So you need to make a decision. And so what I did was I looked across the sea of clarinets. There were probably 10 or 12 of them. 
And then I looked over at the French horn section and there were only four. And I, that made the decision for me. I decided, okay, I wanna go play the French horn. And um, I also wanted a challenge and I certainly got it with the French horn. Um, it was a, it's a tough, it can be a tough instrument to play as are all instruments if you want to go on and be a performer. I actually began on the flute and everybody was playing the flute when I started and I sat next to a girl who uh, she was very, very excited when she played the flute and she'd move around a lot with her head and she was always hitting me in the head with her flute and it drove me crazy. So one day um, they showed us a video in class of all the different instruments of the orchestra and uh, they went through the flute, the clarinet, the oboe, and then I saw the bassoon. And my first thought was I can take her out with that thing. So um, that's probably not the best reason to choose an instrument, but um, after that, I uh, got to hear it and, and realized that it was part of fan, um, and Fantasia, the uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, that the bassoons were the brooms and that the contrabassoon was actually uh, the solo instrument that plays when the brooms start to come to life after, after they get hacked up. And I just loved the sound of the, the low instrument. I love the sound of, of the contrabassoon. And, and um, just getting to be the lowest part of the orchestra is always exciting. And so that's kind of what set me on my path down the contrabassoon road. Before I played the violin, I played some piano, but that, that didn't go as easily for me. Didn't feel as easy. I chose the violin and then I, when I was about 16, my high school conductor asked me if I would switch over to the viola. And I, I was happy to do that. I still play the violin, but primarily the viola. And I remember learning how to read the viola clef, uh, reading early Beethoven string quartets. <laughs> so I was just thrown into it. And I love the sound of the viola so much and even more than the violin. There's been a big push in recent years to dilute the concert going experience with slides, videos, lots of talking from the stage between pieces, uh, actors, and other extra musical matter. Now, I'm not talking about pops concerts uh, or programs specifically billed as an event, uh, for example, when you show a film and have the orchestra play the score live, but I'm talking about symphony concerts where the long-standing tradition and expectation is an intense musical listening experience, period. As a performing orchestral musician, do you have a point of view about the direction in which symphony concerts are going or should go? I actually like the direction things are going where they're starting to do more things to uh, bring in the audience and interact more. I actually enjoy children's concerts because you get a chance to interact with the children. And the, we usually um, talk about the instruments of the orchestra that way. That might work with adults uh, for a specialized concert as well. I always, as, as a listener at concerts, I always really like to hear someone, the conductor or the solo performer, 
talk about the music and introduce the music. I think it really helps to to bridge that that the boundaries between audience and and stage. You know, I know there's always the issue and people concerned that the audience is disappearing. But, you know, I've heard that for 30 years, I think as long as I've been involved in music, that the audience is disappearing. Um, I, you know, there's got to be some way of having a mix there and what that mix is. I, I really don't know. But I do know um, that talking from the stage brings the audience in to an understanding and it makes the performers uh, more relatable. I've always felt uh, that there's too much of a barrier between the performers and the audience. And we're sort of up there and we give a show, but we have uh, limited human contact with the audience. I think one of the things that, for example, Adam does uh, with providing lectures, pre-concert lectures or lectures in the community is a very important sort of thing. Uh, it helps really prepare people uh, to, to listen to a concert in an informed fashion. It's uh, oftentimes uh, classical music is put on this pedestal where only the, the elite people who are super educated and intelligent can really understand what's going on. And I don't, I don't think that's true at all. It's just we should not have a sort of a, a worship temple here where we worship the god of classical music and you know, the priests who are the, you know, the music critics and, and sort of make it clear to the people. Um, I don't think uh, maybe a laser show and uh, a strobe light uh, would be appropriate uh, or movie for regular concerts, but it's awfully darn good idea for Pops concerts. I think it's important to keep the classical concerts more traditional and bring new works into the picture without, without movie screens. And, but I, I also, I think it's important to keep the, the bulk of the, uh, the season concerts, just the music, new and old, older composers, just as the, just to present those works. I personally think that uh, innovation and, and progress with symphony concerts can be a really good thing, as long as we don't get carried away. Um, I think, I think what would be really fun is to combine the old and the new. And that way you can get both audiences, both a young audience and an older audience. So I'm all for combining and, and, and exploring the arts and, and, and collaborating with other artists, not just musicians, I think is a beautiful thing, especially visual art and, um, and dance. Uh, it's a great, it's, I really enjoy doing combined concerts when we have uh, featured dancer performances or we're composing uh, or we're uh, performing for a piece of art. So that's what I think. Finally, uh, perhaps the most personal question for you, our audience, which is how do you, our musicians, how do you answer somebody who says to you almost guiltily, I want to listen to more classical music. I want to get more involved in classical music, but I'm afraid I just won't understand it. How do you answer that? Don't feel, first of all, don't feel guilty about that. 
going to a concert is, should not be an item of prestige. You know, I go to concerts, I'm one of the uh, educated few. Um, person should go to the, to the concert and, and, and view it in a, with an attitude of, well, first of all, uh, what do I understand? Anyone can go to a concert, enjoy it, and even the most basic level. The other thing is um, you can read, you can go on the internet, uh, you can access sources. You can go to say matinee concerts, uh, educational concerts and learn more about it. But if you view it as more as just, well, this is enjoyment, this is entertainment, and I'm gonna go and see what's there and, and appreciate and enjoy uh, what the musicians are doing. Uh, that's sort of a uh, can't lose principle. I guess I would answer that don't worry about understanding it. Just close your eyes and and see what pictures come into your head. See what what uh, the music evokes. As a composer, I like to compose music, and I get asked a lot, "What were you thinking when you wrote this, and what is the piece about?" And a lot of times, I don't like to answer that question, and instead, I like to to ask the person who's asking me that, "Well, what what did you think it was about? What what?" Do you see or or hear or visualize when when uh, when you hear the music, and and the answers I get are fascinating and and they're much better than the ideas that I had most of the time. So I, I really enjoy hearing what what people come up with and what uh, music can evoke in them. Um, so I don't I don't think it needs to be something that's that's understood in an analy analytical way, but something that should just be enjoyed and interpreted in your own way. If I met someone that said that, I would share with that person some of my favorite pieces. So I would probably think of favorite works that I love and share share some of those with with that individual. I'm not sure you have to understand classical music in order to listen to it or to enjoy it. One thing that a person can do is actually start listening to classical music um, at home. Um, and if you don't know where to start, you can try some of the um, major composers, Beethoven, Bach, Mozart. And then from there, you can kind of explore and then make decisions on what you like and what you don't like. And then when a concert program comes up, you can look at the composers that are listed in the program um, that, that they usually post before uh, a concert comes up and you can take a look and say, well, I know this one, I've seen this one. And then they can give a, a try to go to a concert where they know the name of the composer at least, and then go listen to the music. Ask musicians questions if you know any. Um, they'd be happy to answer your questions about music. Um, nothing is too um, simple to ask. Um, they'd be happy to answer your question to let you know, and they want you to know more about classical music. Go for it. Get into it. The more you listen, the more you understand. It's, it's a learned behavior. It's learned through listening and through experience. I have always thought, you know, baseball, there's, there's so many strategies involved with baseball and the rotation and understanding the players. You know, as a kid, I love playing baseball, but I'm, I, I'm not a great uh, watcher of baseball because I don't follow the teams enough to know uh, the stats and the rotation of the pitchers and the, 
field strategies. So I, I, a lot of it goes over my head. Um, but going to a live baseball game, it's great because you can see the audience, uh, the spectators, you know, you're part of the, the scene. Uh, and, and just like with sports, I mean, there's so many sports music analogies. Music's best participated by going live. Um, just like we put a sporting event. So yeah, no reason to feel guilty about it, but I would encourage you to, to go to a live concert, to experience the live. That's where the enjoyment is. Thank you so much to our wonderful participants in today's quasi-panel discussion, Julie, Shelley, Nicole, Steve, and Bob. And remember, Next time you go to an instrumental concert of any kind, whether it's chamber music, orchestra, jazz band, remember that these are the kinds of thoughts and passions and sentiments going on inside the heads and hearts of those wonderful musicians who are playing for you.